Well, everybody, good morning to you guys. How are you doing out there? It's actually a good question. How are you guys doing as we enter into week three of the coronavirus quarantine shelter in place? And here is our third attempt to bring you guys the word for today, a time of fellowship, a time of encouragement, a time of edification, and really a time of faith building. As we gather together in homes, uh, as per the quarantine guidelines, make sure you're with family sheltering in place, and or maybe you're at home by yourself or listening on your headphones, and that reality is our desire on this Sunday or whenever you're watching this is to come together and to strengthen ourselves in God, to strengthen our faith, to contend for the faith that God's given to us. And so while I mentioned last week, this is not ideal, this is exactly what we have to do. And I really believe, I believe this with all of my heart, that the church of God right now, as we're being forced to put studios together in living rooms, this is my living room, welcome to my house, as we're forced to gather in ways that aren't convenient and as we're not allowed to gather yet with the body, I think the Lord is testing us. He's testing the believers and he wants to see, are we going to give up ground or are we gonna take ground? Are we gonna lean back and disengage? Listen. Or are we going to lean forward and engage? And so here at the very beginning of the service, maybe you're with your life group, maybe you're not, maybe you're doing a Zoom video or a watch party or whatever the case is. I wanna encourage you. Guys, I don't know how long we're gonna have to keep doing this, but I want you to keep moving forward, not backward. Keep engaging, don't disengage. And when you feel like slowing down and doing nothing and, and backing off, make sure you're doing that in a restful manner. As I mentioned a few weeks ago that the Lord gave to me those three words of guidance during this time. The first word was to lay, lead and to stand and to be courageous. That is just to keep moving forward and to not stop and to be able to then keep doing whatever it is we are able to do, reading your Bible and studying and leading your family. And the second word was rest. To truly trust the Lord in your anxieties and your fears and your lostness, to, to, to rest in him. And the third word was to pray. That is to, to get into the scriptures and to get into Bible study and, and to continue seeking him. And let's just be honest though, let's be honest. This isn't very easy, okay? Things aren't, <laughs> they're just different. Every day you wake up, it's like, all right, damage report. What's going on in the world and coronavirus and all this sheltering in place and, and the reality of actually getting the virus and how we're gonna then build the economy back up and is the stimulus package gonna come? And all these thoughts can kinda go up and down and you might even find yourself discouraged. And I just wanna know, I want you to know something. The Lord knows you and he actually loves you. He, he loves you the same on your best day as he loves you on your worst day. Those days where you're running around, where you're weak, where you're just not proud of yourself, you didn't do anything good at all, the Lord loves you. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite stories in all the Bible is in Luke 24. And it shows these two guys in Luke 24, right after Jesus had been arrested on Friday, Good Friday, and crucified and put to death and in the tomb. And Saturday came and went. And on Sunday, man, these guys, they were so depressed. They didn't want to be a part of what God was doing in Jerusalem anymore. And so they quit and they left and they began to walk to their house in, in Emmaus. And the Bible says Jesus, fresh out of the tomb, <laughs> he went up and came alongside of them and walked with them. See, the Bible says where two or more are gathered, he's right there with them. I mentioned this last week. David said that in the valley of the shadow of death, God is with him. You know what's so cool though? Where two or more are gathered or maybe you're going through a tough time. Did you know that even if you're depressed and feel like quitting and you're just being a weirdo, the Lord is drawn to you. He's right here with you right now, no matter where you're at. Jesus demonstrated that. He spent his very first waking hours with two guys on the road to Emmaus and he walked up to him and he asked him a couple funny questions. In my opinion, he said, hey guys, why are you so bummed out? And they got kind of mad at him. They didn't know it was Jesus at the time. And they said, are you the only stranger? Are you new here, man? Don't you know what happened? And this is where it gets really good. Jesus looked at these guys and he said, what things? Do you not think Jesus knew that he had just been crucified a couple of days earlier? You think he'd forgotten that? No, he knew. He knew exactly. 
and yet he wanted to draw out of these two guys who were bummed and depressed during that time of isolation and difficulty and everyone in Jerusalem was sheltering in place. And, and Jesus looked at those guys and he says, what's, what's wrong? And they went on to say, man, don't you know anything? And they explained it to him, the hope, the hope that we had, everything we were banking on, man, things were going so good. And all, this, all, all of a sudden, everything that we put our hope in was gonzo. And Jesus began to then open up their hearts, listen, to the scriptures. He opened up their hearts to the scriptures and he began to explain things to them. And as soon as he got to their house, this is all in Luke 24, as soon as he got to their house, he continued to walk by as if he was gonna keep going on his journey. And they stopped and he said, hey, hey you, we don't know your name. You never introduced yourself, but is there any way you could stay with us? We kind of like you. You're explaining things to us. You're helping us out. So Jesus obliged and he went in and he broke bread and he offered it up to God and he gave thanks. And as soon as he did that, the breaking of bread, the fellowship, communion, as soon as he did that, they realized it was Jesus and he vanished from them and went back to Jerusalem. And they woke up and should I say stood up and they ran back to Jerusalem. Here's my challenge to you guys. During this time of quarantine, of sheltering in place and economic uncertainty and virus scare right now during this time, okay? Stand and be courageous and lead. Rest in him, pray, and continue in the word, okay? This is all, by the way, just the announcements here to know what to be doing while we're doing this quarantine is to continue to go through the March reading program. If you've been doing this, we're getting to the end of March. Today's March 29th, it's Sunday, and you're watching this. And on March 29th, it tells me right here that we're in James chapter two, James chapter two, James chapter two. We just finished the book of Hebrews and before Hebrews, I think we were in Acts and before Acts, we were in Mark and we're just getting through the New Testament. And now we're in the book of James, James. I like James because James, not just chapter two, which I'll mention in a minute, but the book of James. You see, James was written by James. That's why it's called James. James was the younger brother of Jesus. Now, can you imagine being the younger brother of Jesus? How difficult that would be to grow up with your elder brother, Jesus, leading the way and doing this chore sheet before you even woke up and finishing his homework before you could even tie your shoes and your mom and dad continually bugging you. Why can't you be more like your older brother, Jesus? You know, and, and you're James and James and Josie's and Jude and, and Jesus had sisters as well. And as a matter of fact, check this out. True story. Jesus had brothers and sisters, and they actually didn't like him. Their hearts were hard towards him. In John chapter 7, they made fun of him. You can read it on your own. James, this writer who we're reading now, James made fun of Jesus, his older brother. And I can just imagine, because you're, you're a sinner just like I am, and it's kind of fun to make fun of people, and, and I, could, I could see how they would do that. And then something happened. James' older brother, Jesus was arrested, wasn't a good day, and he was beaten and openly mocked. And then he was put on a cross. It, was, it just, it, it escalated very quickly. It spun out of control. And, and James' mom, Mary, was there too, and some of Jesus' close friends, John, and, and they watched Jesus die on the cross. James, he watched his brother die. And none of the disciples knew. Mary didn't know. James didn't know. Nobody knew that Jesus was going to race again on Easter Sunday, two days later, three days later. They didn't know that. And so James wept bitterly, and John wept bitterly, and Peter wept bitterly, and they were just broken. And Friday went to Saturday, and Saturday led to Sunday. And as I just pointed out, Jesus rose from the dead. And James, Jesus' brother, who grew up with Jesus, who had a heart, listen, that was hard towards Jesus at one point in time. Jesus Christ. Why would you have a hard heart towards Jesus Christ? He's the perfect person. It's because James, like you, like me, maybe like you who are watching right now, maybe you're not a Christian yet, your heart is still hard towards Jesus, still hard towards God. I understand if, if, if James, who grew up with Jesus, could make fun of him at one point in John chapter 7, then how much more so we who don't even know Jesus and yet one thing, listen, changed everything. It was the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when James saw his brother die, oh, heartbroken. 
And then when James saw his brother rise, you guys know what happened to James? Okay, he wrote a book of the Bible. He got a chance to write doctrine and theology and direction for the church. Not only that, but if you read the book of Acts, you see that Peter and James, this James, were the pillars of the early church in Jerusalem. (laughs) This is so cool. It's actually so cool. Because Jesus knew all along who he was going to grant authority to lead his church. He knew that it was going to be his younger brother, James, who was making fun of him. He knew that James's heart would be changed. He knew that James would be downloaded and given a New Testament epistle to put here in the scriptures for us. Jesus knew all that while he suffered and died. And the good news for you and for me is, is that even if your heart is hard right now, maybe right now you're just, man, what's going on here? I was doing good. Everything was going great. And all of a sudden, this is just, and you're mad at God, maybe right now. Okay, the Lord understands that. And he loves you and he has a plan for you to see him differently on the cross, to see him differently out of the tomb, and to then live your life differently with purpose and to be an influencer and a leader in the church today. James, okay, I'm just gonna give you guys a little synopsis. James writes a book and it's a power-packed book. Chapter two is what you should have read today. If you're not already going through the March reading program, it's at southbeachchurch.org. Go online and check that out and download the PDF file and get ready for April. The new reading program's coming out there as well. But the book of James is all about if you have faith, listen, it's going to be evidenced in works. It's going to be evidenced in the things you do. It's going to be evidenced in the things you don't do. James was kind of a heavy hitter. He's like, oh, you're a Christian? Oh, you're a believer? Cool, you have faith? It's actually not hard to have faith. What it is is it's hard to make that faith produce works. Now, you know this. We're not saved by our works. We don't do good things and get saved. We're saved by faith. But once you're saved by faith, that faith must produce good works. It's the fruit. It's the proof. It's the point of the matter of why Jesus saved us. I'm just going to read to you verse 24 out of chapter 2. You probably read this. And then we're going to go into a time of worship, a time of focusing on Jesus. Here's what it says in verse 24. It says, you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. That's just an important thing to focus on, especially right now, as our faith, I believe your faith, my faith, our faith is being tested. You can say you're a believer, you can say you're a Christian, and I, and I am too, but our faith is being tested. And James says, you see, your faith is not justified by faith itself, but it is justified by works. What is the work? Well, Jesus said it in John 6, 39. He said, the work of God is to believe in him who he sent. And so James would say, well, if you have belief in him, then it's also going to be evidenced in works and works are love and faith and hope. And I believe God is testing us on both fronts. Do you trust him? Do you believe in him? Right right now in the test, the coronavirus test, do you believe in Jesus? Yeah, I do. Okay. How do we see that belief? What are you doing with your time right now? It's a tough time. It's kind of easy to be busy outside. Man, we can't, we can't even go outside without feeling like we're in trouble. Like, what are you doing with your time? Your faith is literally being tested. It's being shook. And yet God wants us to stay focused on Jesus. Matter of fact, last couple thoughts before we go into a time of worship now is in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, Paul says to the, right, to the readers then, He says, therefore, because we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, run your race with endurance and cast off every weight and sin that easily entangles you. And then he says this, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We're looking to Jesus, guys, right now. I feel like every day I get kind of up moments and then down moments and then moments I don't know if I'm up or down. And yet God wants me to both be working out my faith, okay, with fear and trembling, to trust in him and let that be enough, but also to let that trust in him be evidenced in love and in joy and in peace and in patience and kindness and goodness and meekness and self-control, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. The only way you can do this radically during this testing time is to continue to focus on Jesus Christ, to meditate on him, to appreciate him and to look to him. So what we're gonna do now is we're gonna put some worship music on. Pastor Ryan and his wife Nina put some music together and they're gonna lead us in a time of worship. And I would just encourage you home leaders or persons that are running the house right now, just turn up the music. You got headphones on and and just connect with Jesus. 
You might not be a singer, especially in this environment. I just connect with Jesus. And as we do this, your faith will grow, your works will be evidenced in your love. So I'm gonna say a prayer and ask God to sensitize our hearts before we go into this time of worship. Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much that, Lord, you would raise from the dead and you would go find two guys that had quit on the road to Emmaus. You just showed us your heart, that you're after the ones who are bummed out, the ones who can't figure it out. You're, you're not gonna quit on them. And Jesus, you're not gonna quit on us. And Lord, that you would give James the ability and opportunity to write a letter of the New Testament. James, who made fun of you and had a hard heart towards you, you're so kind. Lord, and I identify with James, I identify with those two quitters. And, and then Paul tells us, hey guys, if you wanna get through this, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. I thank you so much for music, Lord, and for worship, and for Pastor Ryan, just his heart for worship. And I ask God as he leads us now that we would connect with you. Forgive us of our sins, Lord. Right now, I believe you're sifting. Things are coming to the surface. Our smallnesses, our, our inadequacies, our inconsistencies, all those are just, they're there. And so right now, we just, we plead the blood. We plead the blood over our homes. We plead the blood over our hearts. We plead the blood over Lincoln County and, and all the counties, Lord. Everybody watching, just plead the blood over your house right now. As this plague goes throughout the world, Jesus, we call upon you. Soften our hearts toward you and let our faith be real and let it be evidenced in works. Thank you for the book of James. Thank you for the book of Hebrews and the book of Acts and the book of Mark and the reading program, Lord. We're getting in the word. And I pray in Jesus' name, you would grow our roots down that our fruits might come out. So even during this time of meditation on you and singing to you, would you be honored as we seek you the best we know how. Holy Spirit, lead this time we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Well, everyone, I hope you enjoyed that time of worship. Again, I'm so thankful for Pastor Ryan and for all of our pastoral staff right now, Pastor Esai, Pastor Marty, Pastor Bo, Pastor Rory, Pastor Esai. We got Nancy and Sarah, Pastor Adam overseeing life groups and young adult groups. We have so many guys and gals right now, listen, that are doing our best to minister to as many people as we can, whether it be digitally with text or phone calls or emails or Facebook, or maybe you've actually seen one of us driving around and we waved at you. That's all we got for you right now. But we love you guys and gals. So be praying for our staff. And as we navigate through what we are uh, having to go through unchartered territory and, and, and the Lord, I believe, is stirring us and growing us. Uh, this last Tuesday, we did a Zoom meeting on the computer with all nine of us there in video format and just prayed and sought the Lord and heard what God is doing in our hearts. So, so rad. And one of the things that I believe that the enemy wants us to believe during this time is that we're alone. And the reality is we're not alone. We're all in this together. Everybody is dealing with this, non-believers and believers alike. We're all in this together, economically and physically and spiritually. And so this is the time for the church to stand up, to unify in the best of our ability. And so to do that this morning, take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 is where we're going to be in the text today. 
And again, the announcements, they're the same as last week. Everything's canceled. We're just praying for coronavirus to disappear. And man, we don't know what's going to happen for Easter. Most likely we'll have a special Easter service online and it's going to be amazing and God's going to save people. And even as you're watching this service now, make sure and comment below, hit like, hit love, hit share, invite people, do a watch party later. If you're actually with some people and and they're the people you're sheltering in place with, take one of those selfies, you know, post it online. We'd love to get a collection of all of the watch parties and Sunday services and put them together in a collage, all the people watching together online and seeking the Lord. So those are the announcements for the day, but take your Bibles now to Acts 16. And the reason we're in the book of Acts, because as you know, we've been studying through Revelation for many, many weeks now. But during this shakeup time, During this testing time that our world is going through, I believe it's the Spirit's will that we get into the book of Acts for the third week in a row. You'll remember the first week we got into Acts chapter 4, where Peter and John were arrested and they couldn't now preach in Jesus' name. And so the first thing they did is they went to their own companions. Okay, they went and fellowshiped. They couldn't be in a large gathering, so they went and found other believers, which is the same challenge we're having. And then they prayed, and they prayed to God, and they reminded themselves who he is. He's the God of heaven, earth, and the sea, and all that is in them. He's a big God, and if you think your problems are big, just tell your problems how big your God is. And then they also not only prayed to God and reminded themselves how big he was, but listen, this is important. They prayed in such a way in Acts 4 where they reminded themselves what God had said, what he'd already declared. See, the challenges they were going through in that day were already prescribed. They were already predicted. They were already given instructions on what to do. So they found their way through the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. And then last week, last Sunday, we went through Acts 8. We were in Acts 4, then Acts 8, and today Acts 16. It's kind of multiplying in a weird fashion. And in Acts chapter 8, we saw persecution arise on the early church. They'd been in Jerusalem for six or seven or maybe eight years, and they hadn't yet gone from Jerusalem to take the gospel to the further regions, to Judea and Samaria. And a persecution arose. And Philip and the church were scattered. It was a bad day. And Stephen died and his blood was shed. And the fruit of that was more people got saved. Because of something bad, because of something brutal, because of something that was a bummer, people got saved. And I'll tell you what, man, you better figure this out. Because sometimes we think, well, that's a real terrible thing. How do you know? We don't know what this is going to produce. But if you're a Christian and in God's economy, you can guarantee and take it to the bank. Romans 8, 28 says, no, 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 no. And we know that all things work together for good, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So even what they went through then furthered the gospel. Philip went and preached and the whole town was saved and eventually Paul would get saved. And then in chapter 16, where we're at today, man, I really don't want you guys to focus on, maybe you're taking notes or just going to watch this a few times through to really get the, the depth of it. In Acts chapter 16, it's the Apostle Paul's second missionary journey. And the Apostle Paul had said in his letter to the Corinthians, his second letter in chapter 11, verse 1, he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Just follow me, guys. If you want to know what it looks like to be a Christian, just follow me. If somebody ever gives you instructions, maybe you're going from one place to another and they say, just take a right and then a left and then you're going to go straight and then another right and there's going to be a light left and, and you get confused, don't you? Whenever I get instructions from somebody, if they're driving in front of me, you know what I say? I'm just going to follow you. I'm just going to follow you. And it's a lot easier if you just follow somebody. Well, we're going to see a little snapshot journey into the Apostle Paul's life and what it looked like to be the Apostle Paul. And not just Paul, but what it looked like to be Silas. And not just Silas, but what it looked like to be Timothy. All these guys that maybe you're familiar with, because as we see what they went through, there's kind of some principles that come out in our Christian journey. And as we look at chapter 16, I'm not going to teach it verse by verse as I normally do. As a matter of fact, when we went through the book of Acts back in 2012, it took me six weeks to get through one chapter. So there's enough content in here to paralyze a village of savants, okay? There's a lot of info here, so I'm just going to go ahead and teach through it and give us some points to meditate on. You can look up a village of savants later, but I'm just going to teach you some points. So the first point is in chapter 15, actually. If you go back and just look at verse 30, there's this story where from Jerusalem, 
two men are sent with Paul and Barnabas back to Antioch. I'll just draw a map right here behind me. Antioch was up here and Jerusalem was down here. This is the mother church and this was now the pirate church. This is where all the Gentiles were up in Antioch and this is where Paul and Barnabas were and the Gentiles were getting saved and this is where the second and first missionary journeys of Paul started. And in chapter 15, Jerusalem sends a letter, okay, from James, remember James who we talked about, and he sends a letter to Antioch to the pirate Christians, the Gentiles, they were kind of roughneck and it's a letter of encouragement. It's a letter of hope and freedom in Christ and basically gave him a big thumbs up. You guys are believers, you're Gentiles, just love Jesus. Okay, don't do stupid stuff. Stay away from idolatry and sexual immorality and don't cause other people to stumble and just stay close to Jesus. It was an encouraging letter. Now check this out. Two guys showed up as well. Silas and Judas, another guy named Judas, and they rolled up there and they hung out and they were with Paul and Barnabas and the time came in chapter 15 for Judas and Silas to go back down to Jerusalem. And Judas took off. Silas is so cool. Read it on your own. Last couple of verses of chapter 15. He said, you know what? I kind of like it up here. This is really cool. This is, you guys are so crazy. You guys are eating ham sandwiches like every day and that bacon smells so good. And he loved it up there. And so he decided to stay. Silas, he, he, listen, he didn't really know why. He didn't know what was going to happen next. He just thought it was a good thing. There's a principle there. The Bible says in Psalm 37, 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. See, if you're just loving God and loving others, he'll guide your life. It's that simple. Jesus said the greatest two commandments are love God and love others. And then he will show you and direct your path. That's what he's going to do. So Silas does this, and he's just delighting. Can I just say in your Christianity, these principles of what it means to be a Christian, man, there's got to be these deep-seated roots between you and the Lord, your love for him, your appreciation for him. Sometimes we get all worked up, we're reading the book of James and think I gotta do stuff, I gotta go do. Listen, you know what you really need to do? You just need to love Jesus. You really just need to hang out with him because here's what's gonna happen. He's gonna guide you and direct you. There will be things coming. As a matter of fact, chapter 15 ends in the book of Acts with another principle that comes up in our Christian journey and it's not a fun one. It's not delighting in the Lord and developing in our faith. Listen, it's, it's, it's conflict and division. And I'm not going to teach it to you. You can read it in Acts 15. But the Bible tells us that Paul and Barnabas, two longtime ministry friends, they, they just had a, a disagreement. And the disagreement became problematic. And then it became divisive and they separated. You who are Bible students know the story. And Barnabas took Johnny Mark and he went back to Cyprus and Paul got frustrated and he went upwards. He went from Antioch all the way up to Syria and around to Cilicia. And all of a sudden, this is cool, even in the midst of conflict and division, Paul said, man, I need, I need, some, I need somebody to help me. And he looked around. Guess who he saw? Silas. <laughs> Silas was just hanging out at the Starbucks there eating, you know, corn dog, you know, and hanging out. And he said, Silas, what are you doing? He said, I'm not doing anything. He said, come with me. And Silas got to be a missionary. He got to go on the second missionary journey with Paul. Now, let me just say something. Conflict and division are never fun. I've been in the ministry now for, for over 20 years, and I have been on the receiving end of conflict and division, and I've been on the giving end of conflict and division. And either way, it's just gnarly. It's messy. It's hurtful. I would even say it this way, because we're looking at Paul's life. He said, follow me. I'm going to say it because we're human. It's unavoidable. But it doesn't mean it has to define you. It doesn't mean it has to keep you from the ministry or disengaged. Maybe you've had a conflict with a loved one or, or a ministry partner. Maybe you don't go to church because, man, that place is full of hypocrites or Pastor Luke, man, his beard makes me so mad or, you know, whatever your division, whatever your conflict is. It doesn't have to define you. You can get over it and keep going. Barnabas and Johnny Mark would sail to Cyprus. John, Paul and Silas would head upward to Syria and I just would encourage you, delighting and developing in the Lord is the first step of Christianity. Conflict and division is going to come next. And as they go up to Syria and then over to Cilicia, okay, check this out. Now we're going to find ourselves in Acts 16. That was all kind of a run up here, but check this out. I want you guys to know what the Bible says. It says this, and then he, that's Paul, 
Verse 1 of chapter 16, came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed. But his father was Greek, and he was well spoken of by their brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Now stop right there and just consider this with me. As he gets now to Derby and Lystra, Paul comes back. Here, here's the deal. Paul hadn't been there for five years. He'd been gone. He went there, preached one time, planted a few churches, took about a year's journey, and then he came back through and went back to Antioch, and now he's back. And I just wonder what Paul expected to see. Maybe he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. I, was, I haven't been here in so long, and I haven't been able to check my email. I don't know how they're doing in Lystra and Derby. And, and he gets there, and look what he sees, Timothy. The Bible says that he's well-spoken of, and that he's a church leader. He's there preaching. Can you imagine how excited Paul would have been? Like, what? You mean it worked? My, my, my faith that I planted, the seeds, worked? And, and now there's, there's fruit and growth. Can I just say something? Especially for you who are taking this real serious. The Bible says that the word of God will not return void, but it will accomplish that which he set it out to do. That when you plant those seeds in your kids and tell them about Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God, okay, you set them up for a path that shall lead to God. And when you share the gospel with others in honest truth and in heartfelt devotion, okay, it will not return void. Paul shows up five years later and he sees Timothy. Now he asks Timothy something. He says, Timothy, you want to go on mission with me? And he grabs Timothy and gets him all ready for the ministry. You can read that. And I would just say this is so interesting, delighting and developing in chapter 15 and then conflict and division and right at the end. And now we see some fruit and we see some submission. And Timothy says, let's go plant churches. Now, how many guys think that going on a ministry, uh, should I say a mission with Paul to plant churches is a good thing? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay. Everyone raise their hand except two people. Pray for you guys in the back there. <laughs> so check this out. It says this. Look, 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 it's a good thing to go plant churches, but I want you to see this. Because there's a difference. Maybe you're taking notes. There's a difference between good things and God things. And it takes sensitivity. Because you can actually do a good thing that's not a God thing, and then it becomes a bad thing. A good thing that's not a God thing, and it becomes a bad thing. We're going to see that in your Christian journey. Check this out. It says, verse 6, Now, when they had gone through Phrygia, evidently it was super cold there. <laughs> Just kidding, sorry. And the, and the region of Galatia, listen, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, verse 7, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. Stop right there. Eyes up here. Now, this is Paul saying, follow me. I'm a church planner. I'm a Christian. I want you to see how it's done. There's delighting. That's where it starts. You've got to love the Lord more than anything else. If you don't love the Lord right now, just that's where you got to go, okay? Division and conflict. It will happen, man. Don't let it define you, though. And then there will be fruit from the seeds that were planted and you'll see growth and Timothy lines up with Paul and they go. But as soon as they try and go to Bithynia and Mysia and Phrygia, did you see what happened there? The Holy Spirit stopped them twice. Let's go plant churches here. Holy Spirit shuts the door. Okay. Let's go over here and plant churches. Holy Spirit shuts the door. And the Bible says in verse nine that Paul did what I believe everyone should do when the doors are shutting on you. He takes a nap. Verse 9 tells us that he goes to bed. He gets a night vision. He's like, you know what, dude, that door shut and that door shut. I'm going to take a nap. And while he's taking this nap, he gets a vision, a night vision. It's the Macedonian man. And in this vision, a Macedonian man rises up and says, come preach to us. <laughs> How cool is that? Paul's trying to preach to them. He's trying to preach to them. Doors are shutting. So weird. So weird when the Lord shuts a door. It's a good door. Can't go there to these areas for some reason, reasons we don't understand. And yet God, through a nap, a night vision, tells Paul where to go. Now, let me just make this connection for us. Three weeks ago, we were planning our Easter service and our Good Friday service and gatherings and hope in the park and just, we're, we're planning things and even just youth groups and family camps and, and all this. And all of a sudden, through circumstances we're all aware of, can't do any of it. Can't do it. And 
I don't know how you handled it at first or how you're handling it now. For me, I'm still a little bit in shock and disbelief. I just, what? <laughs> we can't have shirts. Who, who, what is happening? And, and, and I remember a few weeks ago, I went and watched the sunset. I just walked down from my house and walked across the street. And, and as I was watching the sunset, the Lord spoke to me. And, 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 I, and I had to, in that moment, this is between me and the Lord, I had to grieve the loss of our ability to meet. Can't do it right now. Okay, we can't come together like we always have. And I sensed the Lord's comfort in that. And I sensed him holding me and I just, and I, I, I literally wept as I was watching the sunset. And I was so sad at, at the fact that we couldn't do it for now and I don't know how long. And, and yet I sensed within that, I sensed the Lord's comfort saying, Luke, I'm doing something different right now. I'm doing something else. I'm taking you where I want you to go. And I even had to repent. And let me just tell you how I repented. I said, Lord, we couldn't have made that decision without you making it for us. And I was, I was saddened and devastated. It's a strong word, but I was saddened that we couldn't do it on our own. The Lord had to shut the door. He had to do it for us. And, and, and I'm not saying God brought the coronavirus at all because I don't think it's from the Lord. I don't. But, but the circumstances that are here right now are being leveraged against us. The doors are shutting. And I believe the Lord wants to do a greater work. Here we see Paul. It's always confused me. Paul tries to go to Bithynia and Mysia and Phrygia. Door shut. Doesn't, doesn't say how. Maybe there was a virus there too. As a matter of fact, some people think Paul got sick. Some people think that he got malaria. He got a jungle fever. He got something was going on with his body or his eyesight was failing. He couldn't go to these regions or something. We don't know. And yet, if you're like me, I don't like to be told no. I don't like to be stopped. I don't like to be challenged. And the Lord, he, he'll shut the door. And why? Why? Listen, this is the point. In order to open up a different one. In order to do something else. In order to take ground elsewhere. In order to bring me, listen, bring me somewhere, listen, where I wasn't. Check this out. What if right now we're on week three of quarantine, maybe more? I don't even know what's going on anymore. <laughs> Maybe the Lord right now, he's looking at you and he's saying, ah, cool, cool. You're a church planner, you're a Christian, you're a husband, you're a wife, you're a single, you're, you're, you're old, you're young, you're, you're my kid, good job. I'd actually like to take you further. I'd actually like to take you somewhere where you're not. And in order to take you where God wants you, I'm gonna have to take something that was good away from you. Now, only God can make those kind of executive decisions, but he already has. And so Paul seeks the Lord in the night and he gets a night vision. Look at what it says in verse 10. If you're, if you're following along in Acts 10, Acts 16, verse 10, it says, now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. I have that highlighted, underlined, and all marked up. Because I see verse 10, Paul, this dude, this doer, this faith guy, couldn't go there, couldn't go there doesn't know why. I'm going to take a nap. And the Lord shows him where he wants him to go. And that clarity and that vision fired Paul up. So he grabs Silas and he grabs Timothy. Let's go. God, I wonder if they were all sleeping. And God, God woke Paul up and he knew we're going to Macedonia. And let me just say it. Man, I pray that the Lord would be refining and revealing his vision and will in Jesus' name in a different pathway for the church of God, for the Christians, for the bride of Christ, for you as an individual, for me and my family collectively, that we would then have clarity and say, this is what we're doing differently. This is where we're going now. We had to mourn the loss of something less in order to gain access to something more. Paul grabs his homies and he goes now down. And check this out. This is so cool. He gets to Philippi, where the book of Philippians would be written to later by Paul. And when he gets there, you know what he finds? Or as soon as he gets there, he finds this woman named Lydia and her family. And she's a seller of purple there in Thyatira, you know, and she's got all this stuff. And, and he, they're women of faith. And Paul preaches Jesus to them. And the Bible says in Acts 16 that their hearts are open to Jesus. And Paul baptizes her and her whole household and the whole place gets saved. Let me say it this simply. When you go where God leads you, okay, there's gonna be fruit along the way. There's gonna be a purpose there's a purpose to the direction. There's a purpose to the closed doors. There's a purpose to the challenge right now. And maybe it's something else. Maybe you, maybe you lost your job recently or, or maybe, maybe there's something else that's been taken away from you. And you're thinking, what in the heck was that about? 
Can I just encourage you? Ask the Lord, where's the fruit? What, what do I do with this? As soon as Paul got to Philippi, he meets this gal. Now, as you obey the Lord and submit to him, God's going to reveal to you, I, I promise you, right now, what he wants you to do next. As a matter of fact, I'm going to say something that might be a little hard to process. As soon as Paul gave up his desires to go to these two areas of shut doors, he fell asleep. Sometimes I'm sleepless. Sometimes I wrestle. Usually, it's because my heart is not quieted. Usually, I'm perplexed. I'm anxious. Sometimes I'm even wrestling against the Lord or in areas not for the Lord. Can I just, let me just say it in a positive way. When your heart is unified with God and you're submissive, whatever you want, Lord, whatever you want, I guarantee you're going to get a good night's sleep when you're just quieted and at the feet of Jesus. The Bible says that he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you. The Bible says that God makes even your enemies to be at peace with you when your ways please him. Paul fell asleep, and I just want to in all of this journey as we watch Paul, now I'm starting to build this up because we're going to go to the next two points before we're done here. As he gets this peace and sleep and then he wakes up the next day and he gets into this fruit and growth there in Philippi, guess what happens next? This is the Christian journey, okay? Just in case you wonder, hey, follow me, you know. Here's what happens next. As they get to Philippi, Lydia and her whole household get saved. Well, a couple of days later, there's this one story, you can read it on your own time, where this particular demoniac girl gets in Paul's way and Paul saves her life and gets her free from her demon possession. And then he gets in trouble from her owners and he gets arrested and falsely accused. Him and, him and Silas are arrested there in the town square. The magistrates, that is the Roman rulers, they come out and they start clubbing Paul left and right because he's been falsely accused of putting you know, all kinds of propaganda up and all the rest. And he's imprisoned. And can I just, I was asking you reading through my notes and putting this together earlier, and I, and I didn't like this fact that I'm about to teach you, that if you're going to follow Jesus, if you're a Christian right now, okay, it starts with delighting in the Lord, and being obedient, and submissive, and walking in the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and seeing cool things happen. And, but there's also a time, okay, when you are walking with the Lord, that there will be in your life demonic oppression, okay, and physical suffering. It's just the way it is. And when I wrote that down today, I was thinking through, I was like, I don't like that at all. I don't want any demonic oppression. I don't want any of that stuff at all. And I don't want any physical suffering. Okay, Lord, just make sure you keep me out of that boat. You know what I'm saying? And yet Paul says, no, follow me. And, and what Paul went through and what Jesus went through, both of these guys, our leaders, our heroes, demonic oppression. I don't think believers can be possessed, okay? I don't If you're a Christian, greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. Okay, you're saved. You're already, you're already possessed by the Holy Spirit. But you and I who are believers, we will be oppressed. Okay, tough days, weird, weird scenarios. And then we see here that they got arrested and they were beaten and, and there was physical suffering. Now, maybe you're like me and you're a complete baby. Okay, you're just a big baby and you don't want anything difficult at all and you want everything easy and you want your, you know, flat white latte at Starbucks to be 158 degrees, you know, and you don't want it to be too hot or too cold and you're just a baby. Well, here's the deal. When Jesus said, follow me, okay, he took fishermen and he said, follow me and I'll make you what? Fishers of men. That's an upgrade. That's a good deal. I don't got to deal with these nets and smelly fish anymore, you know, and I get a Wow, it's an upper. And when Jesus called Matthew and, and, Le and Levi and some others, he said, hey, you guys are tax collectors. You want to work for me and not get out of the government job? It's an upgrade. We don't have to work for Rome anymore. Like, it's an upgrade. And you follow Jesus, it's an upgrade. But listen, Jesus also said, listen, that if you follow me, you got to deny yourself daily. Was that in the fine print? I didn't see that part. You know, you know Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you got to take up your cross. Uh, all right, all right, all right. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you have to hate your life. You have to even hate those people around you more, more than me. And at that point, it gets confusing. You're like, well, what's he talking about here? What's he talking? See, Jesus doesn't pull any punches. He gives it to you straight. He says, guys, we're in a battle. And you got to stay close to me. And if you do stay close to me and you follow me, it's going to be an upgrade. Okay, it's gonna be an upgrade. Following Jesus is the rightest thing you'll ever do. But here's the dirty little secret. 
It's not easy. It's not easy. And I think as Americans, we, we don't want anything that's not easy. I think as humans, we don't want anything that's not easy. And so Jesus comes on the scene, he's like, well, let me just show you how it, how it looks. And as Paul comes on the scene, he's like, let me show you how it looks. Because right now you're going through a test. Are you gonna produce fruit? Are you gonna stay with Jesus? Are you gonna stay the course? Are you gonna stand and lead, be courageous and rest in him and pray? I don't know, man, it's getting kind of hard. It's getting kind of weird out there. I, I understand. Paul gets oppressed by demons. Paul and Silas gets physical suffering. And here's my final point. And I referenced this a couple weeks ago. I think it was in February. In the book of Revelation. As we saw the martyrs get saved out of the tribulation and come into heaven. Remember that scene? And as they get to heaven, the first thing they do is they begin to worship God. They didn't go to the HR desk and file a complaint because of all the tribulation they'd gone through. They begin to worship God. And here was the simple cliche that I presented to you then in February. It was in your suffering, you can either look for sympathy you know, and try and get the comfort you're looking for. You can do that. Or you can conduct your own symphony. You can be a worshiper. In this chapter, chapter 16, there's so much in here. Principles of Christianity, following Jesus. As Paul and Silas are arrested, not even justly, but unjustly. The Bible says that they're put in the inner stocks. And I taught on this in February, but I want you to see it again. It says in verse 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Praying and singing. And it goes on to say, and the prisoners were listening to them. (sighs) I don't know about you, but at midnight, after being falsely arrested, openly beat, demonically possessed or oppressed, and publicly embarrassed, I don't know if I would want to be in a position to pray and to worship and to witness. And yet Paul, filled by the Holy Spirit, said, guys, this is what we're doing. We're on mission in order that the world would see. And they themselves were getting shook up in order that they would be woke up, in order that they would be took up, and God was doing something through them. Right now, during coronavirus, and during your sheltering in place, and quarantine, and economic uncertainties, and all the things we're dealing with right now, can I just encourage you in these three simple things we see Paul emulate for us? Pray, worship, and witness. This is not passive. This is active. Pray, worship, and witness. You see, when you're sheltering in place and hunkering down and quarantining, you can kind of just, all right, we're just going to wait till the quarantine's over and I'm going to do it this way. (gasps) And you begin to hold your breath and just wait for the whole thing to pass. No, don't do it. I believe the Lord wants us to take ground, not lose ground. And the first thing you want to do is to pray, to continue to seek the Lord. Here's my advice to you, and maybe this will come up in a Facebook post later is to write down your prayer requests and your journal entries, maybe starting right now if you haven't already done this, through this self-quarantine, through this sheltering in place. Let the Lord use this time because 21 days from now or 50 days from now, we're gonna be in a whole different place. And wouldn't it be awesome to look back and say, Lord, I was taking ground. I was pressing in. I was spending time with you. Don't just spend time sharing memes with your friends and getting lost on Facebook and Netflix and getting caught up in all of your shows. Instead, pray and worship. Tell the Lord how good he is, okay? Press into him during this time. Put headphones on, go for a walk on the beach. These YouTube videos that Ryan's been making, these worship videos are on YouTube. You can share them and just just touch the Lord and the hem of his garment and do so in a way that is a witness to the people around you, even the people you're living with, okay? Don't don't lose ground in in your home. Be a witness to the people you live with right in front of you. And I guarantee you, God's going to produce fruit in their lives as well. If you don't know the end of chapter 16, chapter 16 ends with this prayer and this worship and this witness and all of the prisoners' chains fall off, the doors open up, the jailer gets saved. All of it is beautiful. Guys, chapter 16, as I mentioned earlier, I spent six weeks studying through verse by verse. But I believe these principles 
are going to be foundational for you and I as we navigate through every day, as we pray for our leaders and our government to put everything back together and the quarantines lifted and the coronavirus eradicated, but God is producing fruit in our hearts right now. Maybe you're, you're distanced from the Lord. Maybe you're like James, James, the younger brother of Jesus who had a heart, heart toward Jesus and you aren't soft towards him yet. Maybe you're like James and, and you're turned away from him. Did you know that right now, you can do what Paul said and look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, even the shame of death. And as Jesus did that for James and he did that for you, your heart can be softened right now. And maybe you're not even a Christian yet. You're just watching this online. You're looking for answers. Did you know that right now God is looking for you and giving you answers? The answers have already been provided. God knows what he's doing and he's done it in order that you might be saved. And so I'm gonna close out this service. I'm gonna ask you guys to pray, bow your heads with me. And in Jesus' name, let's approach the throne of grace. Lord, we do so by faith right now. In Jesus' name, during this, Lord, coronavirus shutdown and shelter in place, we look to you. And we ask, Lord, during this time, you would search our hearts and you would do a work in us. If you're a believer here, let the Lord just say, yeah, Lord, do a work in me. Do a work in me like you did in Silas and Timothy and like you did through Paul. And Lord, would you find a place in my heart, Lord, that maybe a door needs to be shut in order that a bigger and better door could be opened. Lord, would you do that? Would you have access to me? And maybe you're a Christian here today also and you're listening and your, your heart is hard towards the Lord. And you would say, Lord, just soften my heart. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. Help me not to lose the battle during this time, but instead to advance the cause. If you need help in doing that, would you just right now even just raise up your hand to the Lord? He sees you. I can't see anybody. Raise up your hand and say, yes, Lord, I don't want to be a baby right now. Instead, I want to be like Paul. I want to worship and I want to pray and I want to witness. You can put your hands down and maybe you're watching and you're not a believer yet. You're not. You don't know the Lord and his goodness. You don't know his voice and his kindness. You don't know his forgiveness and his peace. And yet right now he offers all that to you in Jesus' name, freely by faith. He says, if anybody should call upon my name, I will in no wise cast him out, but I will let everyone come unto me. So if you're that person right now and you need faith and you need hope and you need forgiveness and you need peace and strength, would you right now raise up your hand or just nod into that and say, Jesus, save my soul. Forgive me of my sins. Be my king and my Lord. Be my savior and help me to live for you on earth and take me to heaven when I die. And Lord, let my light shine before men that they might see your good deeds, Lord, in my life. And so, Lord, would you save these people that are giving their lives to you right now? Do a work even through the internet, Lord, through the YouTube and Facebook and through a live stream. Do it, Lord. Change people's hearts right now. Shine upon them. We thank you, God, for all you've done. And we pray, Lord, at South Beach Church and beyond, we pray, Lord, that we would be gathered back together very soon, that you, Lord, would protect us until then that you would give, Lord, the uh, World Health Organization and the, the Center of Disease Control, Lord, and, and the, the president and his cabinet, Lord, would you give everybody wisdom? Would you let them know, Lord, what the curve is doing and what we need to do and how long we need to self-quarantine? Would you just give them wisdom and not only wisdom, Lord, but would you help us? Would you deliver our country? Would you deliver our country right now? Would you just stop the spread of the coronavirus, Lord? Just give a vaccination that works or something, Lord, a, a, some medicine or just a supernatural intervention. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ over our hearts and minds, over our houses and our homes. Would you have your way? We thank you so much, God, that we can look to you in these things. What, a, what an interesting time to be alive. May we let our roots go down, our fruits come out. We thank you for all you've done, Lord. Would you do even more in our lives, we pray. With thanksgiving, we ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for watching with us. Make sure and share this. Post your photos online. You can email us at southbeachchurch at gmail.com. If you have any prayer requests or questions during the self-quarantine and sheltering in place, you can find our stuff on the website, on Facebook, on YouTube. Share it there. Uh, you can also send in your tithe and offering by way of worship to P.O. Box 950, Newport, Oregon, 97365. Just address it to South Beach Church. And there's online giving. Just worship the Lord and what you do. It's between you and the Lord as he guides you and directs you. So God bless you guys. Appreciate you sitting with us. 
Make sure and love the people you're with with that six foot radius. We love you guys. I look so forward to seeing each and every one of you. When that Sunday comes, when we're all back together again, by the way, I'm gonna hug everybody. <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. So other than that, God bless you guys. Stay in the book. Read the book of James. Keep growing. Keep taking ground. Don't give any up. I love you guys. God bless you. We'll see you very soon.